This is In-Depth NH of the New Hampshire Center for Public Interest Journalism. I'm Roger Wood. Speaking with Mark Barden, the founder of Sandy Hook Promise, the parent of a murdered child in Connecticut. Harsh introduction. Good morning, Mark. Yeah, you're right. It is a harsh introduction, and it's one I'll, I'll never get used to hearing or living. It was amazing to me that this week I first learned of the shooting in Idaho. A sixth-grade student, a 12-year-old girl, got the gun inside the school in her backpack. Wow. What do you think about that? You know, I just I think it's indicative of a lot of systemic issues that need to be addressed in this country, that we need to be doing a, a whole lot better job um, with access to firearms, with storage of firearms, with mental health issues, with prevention programs, with identifying uh, individuals who are exhibiting warning signs of at-risk behaviors and being able to take those next steps to make an intervention to get them to the help that they need. Uh, there's there's a, a large palette of, of um, available options to us uh, to stem the, the increasing violence, uh, the suicide, suicidal ideation, school shootings, mass shootings. Um, there's there's so much going on, and there's there's so many opportunities to uh, for folks to get involved and and to be part of the equation to bring these numbers uh, down. Do you think that some Americans are resigned to the fact these school shootings take place and just happy it doesn't happen in their state? You know, I think that's human nature, Roger. I know that I I. Uh, would include myself in, in that group of people who, before the school shooting at Sandy Hook Elementary that took the life of my seven-year-old son, Daniel, I would see reports on the news uh, of of mass shootings and mass violence and just think how horrible it was and then go back to my life and not really considering that I could or should be part of the uh, part of the solution. And, you know, unfortunately, it took the greatest tragedy for me to become involved with this and uh, and understand that it's not going to fix itself. And in fact, it is getting worse and that we need all hands on deck and, and, and folks do need to be involved. Let me ask you this. Do you think since she, this latest shooting, she was able to <clears throat> bring it into a classroom in the school in her backpack that students may have to be screened on the way in? I, you know, I hope we know don't have to get to that place, Roger. I think we can go back a few steps. How, how did she get access? How is a 12-year-old uh, able to have access to a firearm, I assume, from her home in the first place? Uh, so there's culpability on the parents' part for, uh, for allowing that to happen, for not having that firearm stored uh, securely and properly so that uh, a 12-year-old can't get a hold of it. You know, we see that story. And you know what it is? We don't see the stories, but we know that this is unfolding across our country uh, constantly where young people uh, younger than 12 are finding unsecured firearms in the homes and there are tr- terrible tragedies that are continuing to happen uh, with you know very young children uh, uh, finding loaded firearms in the home so there, there needs to be uh, a whole lot more done there with how we regulate and how we uh, how we enact sensible policy policy solutions so that uh, folks folks understand the importance of safe storage if they wish to own a firearm. Uh, and, I mean, and that's just, that's just one component. Um, why this student thought that they should bring a firearm to school in their backyard, back, backpack is another 
is another issue. Um, and I'm sure this wasn't just a, uh, a spontaneous decision. You know, I'm sure there was thought going into this. And with that thought and with those thoughts come warning signs. Uh, and that's what we do at Sandy Hook Promise, Roger. We train, we train people how to look for and identify those warning signs and connect those individuals to whatever help or services they need. Uh, and, and, and so, you know, to, to, to get them to a healthier place where they make different decisions. I want to get to that, Mark, in a minute, but uh, I wanted your reaction to this. Do you think that parents should be fined or convicted on some level for not storing their guns and ammo properly or away from the kids? Well, you know, yeah, and I think that's I think that's what the value in a safe safe storage policy is. It, it, safe storage policies don't mean the police are going to come around knocking on your doors, looking, checking to see if your firearm is safely secured. Uh, safe storage policies mean that you will be responsible, and there will be culpability if there is a horrible disaster in your home uh, as a result of an unsecured firearm or a firearm that's been stored improperly or not stored at all. Uh, and so I think. I think folks knowing that they, they will be held accountable and there will be um, consequences for irresponsible uh, use of the firearm, irresponsible storage or failure to store properly, uh, there will be consequences. I think that would go a long way to in- inspiring, incentivizing people uh, to do the right thing and, and to behave and act responsibly with, uh, with lethal weapons in their home, especially when there are children present. It should be obvious to me, it is obvious to me, that gun control laws will creep forward at best. What do you think? Uh, see, uh, in the aftermath of high-profile high tragedies, um, you know, the reality of it is that families uh, in, in, in cities and towns across this country are suffering the loss of loved ones due to gun violence every day. And uh, a lot of those stories are not getting the support and the publicity and the attention that the high-profile uh, tragedies do. Um, but we have, I mean, there is just an abundance of research-proven data that informs us that uh, gun safety policy does work, and it does reduce the numbers of deaths by suicide, injuries, and deaths by homicide and accidental discharge. Uh, we know that policy is part of the equation, that it does work, uh, but again, it's only part of the equation. There needs to be awareness and education uh, a component of, uh, as part of this, and there needs to be uh, prevention training as part of this. You know, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a large, complex problem, and there needs to be a holistic set of comprehensive solutions uh, if we're really going to offset this epidemic. How did you move from grieve to achieve, achieving uh, Sandy Hook Promise. How did you do that? Uh, I, I I think it was a through process, Roger. I, I I I haven't moved from grief. I will always be in grief. I will I will always and every day be thinking about and missing uh, the sweet little boy uh, Daniel who was who was murdered in his first grade classroom by a preventable act of gun violence. I I will never be not grieving uh, Daniel's uh, horrific, violent, senseless murder, um, and that has compelled me to to do this work, to continue this work, to continue to grow this work with Sandy Hook Promise, um, to honor Daniel's life, and to protect my surviving children, James and Natalie, and to protect uh, future generations, um, because I, I feel it's the most appropriate way for me to honor Daniel's death and life, 
and I also feel that I know that that it's working. I know that we are we have prevented dozens of school shootings, hundreds of suicides. So uh, every one of those incidences that we prevent because children who are trained in our programs stop something from happening. Uh, every one of those is is a story of a family. Um, of an immediate family, an extended family, or a network of, of loved ones and friends who will not be spending the rest of their lives devastated at, at a, at a, because there was a, a senseless act of violence. Uh, so every time we make an intervention and, and prevent that from happening, um, I, I just feel, feel that I'm honoring Daniel and knowing what I know and knowing that we do have solutions and that they do work, um, I can't not do this work. So it's, it's kind of both, I guess, I just felt like Doing this work was an appropriate way to honor Daniel, and it's also, uh, I guess, part of my part of my grief therapy as well. Let me dig down a little bit on the organization. Um, how do you uh, proceed on this? With it, you know, how do how does how does it, how do you make it happen? Uh, well, you know, to, we 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 know that the, we have we have simple programs that are effective. Um, our Start with Hello program addresses social isolation, which we know from studying it. Um, if left unchecked, chronic social isolation can lead to um, uh, at-risk behaviors. Um, we have our Say Something program, which trains students to uh, look for and identify at-risk behaviors and connect somebody with a trusted adult, either by talking to a trusted adult or by using our anonymous reporting system, which which connects somebody with uh, trained crisis counselors. Um, so we have these programs that we give to schools across the country for free, and we do these trainings, and we make sure that these trainings are sustained so that um, the curriculum in our, in our programs are not just thrown over the wall and given to the school and we go away. We make sure that these curriculums are built into the culture and the climate of the school so that they can have their maximum impact. And, and uh, we are very proud of the fact that thanks to our, our generous donors, uh, as a nonprofit organization, we are able to give these programs away to schools at no cost to the schools. Um, so we know that they work. Uh, we know that they are effective. We know that the students uh, embrace these programs and they build uh, what we call Save Promise Clubs in their schools as a way to sustain these these programs. Um, and so we're building this culture of students who are more empathetic, who are more connected, who are more likely to look out for one another who have been trained on what those subtle warning signs are uh, of somebody who may be at risk of hurting themselves or somebody else and giving them the tools to connect that individual to a trusted adult who can help them um, with whatever services or interventions they may need. And so we're, we're really um, we're working at the heart of prevention here, Roger. We're truly um, preventing violence before it happens and in the in in the meantime we're building a, a more connected culture within our schools and the the mission from here is to grow that and to build that at scale and to continue to grow it uh, at 100 percent efficacy and 100 percent ability to sustain these programs in schools well congratulations that you have a very a very very um, uh, readable website and also comprehensive thank you Thank you. Uh, the folks in the Sandy Hill Promise organization um, uh, are, are amazing. They're dedicated. Uh, they're, they're smart. And, 
and th- that website is, is evidence of that. Uh, it's comprehensive, and, and thank you for, for sharing that feedback, that it's readable and, and easy to navigate because we want, we want it to be just that. Uh, and um, I'm, I'm really honored to have an incredible team of, of dedicated professionals um, to move this mission forward with me. Let me ask you this. You, 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 you teach this across the country. Do all the states or most of them uh, embrace this? Yeah, yeah, we find we find that um, I mean we do have you know you mentioned states and we do have whole states who have come to us and said uh, we want all of our middle and high school students uh, trained in your programs with access to your anonymous reporting system. So um, we we are building out on that model, um, moving from from a more school to school or district wide uh, approach to a more statewide approach. And, and look, there's nothing, you know, there's really nothing uh, prohibitive or political or divisive uh, about, about what we do. I mean, we are starting the conversation with, with basic fundamental themes that we all agree on. I mean, we all want to protect our kids. We all want our communities to be safe. And, and that is at the heart of what we do. And um, it's not polarizing. And uh, it, it's a great common ground to start this conversation on how can we do, do better and how can we, uh, how can we build um, a, a more connected, uh, compassionate culture. And, and that's what we're doing. Mark, I'm kind of out of questions, but did you have anything to add? I, I just wanted to, to share that, uh, you know, our policy team has written uh, another piece of federal legislation that uh, is is passing through the chambers of Congress at the federal level with bipartisan support, and we're very excited about that. The Stand-Up Act, uh, it, it's, it's, uh, it provides suicide awareness and training, suicide prevention training uh, for s- students across the country uh, in middle and high school, and um, we're very excited to, to advance this legislation so that students across the country will have access to, uh, to suicide prevention training. Um, the Stand-Up Act has passed the House of Representatives uh, in the early part of May uh, with bipartisan support, um, and now it's, uh, it's heading to, uh, to the Senate. And uh, we're, we're very excited that Senator Hassan has, has decided to lead this uh, as a, as a um, co-sponsor, uh, understanding that even prior to the pandemic, I think New Hampshire was I think 16th highest suicide rate uh, across the country, um, and Senator Hassan has taken this on as as an important priority issue for her, and she she is very excited to to lead and to be early an early sponsor of this legislation in New Hampshire for her state of New Hampshire at the federal level, um, and so we we are very excited that Stand Up Act has passed the House with bipartisan support, and I I think now the Senate is enjoying. Um, approximately, I, mean, I think, 11 co-sponsors now, also split by bipartisan. And um, you know, once once enacted, uh, the Stand Up Act will will be, you know, a, a very strong tool vehicle for students to have access to uh, suicide prevention training in their schools, which will be critical, uh, especially now as we're seeing reports of suicide and suicidal ideation on a sharp increase in, in, uh, in young folks. Uh, I think it's the second, second leading cause of death uh, in U.S. citizens from between the ages of 10 and 24. So it's a, it's a, it's a major epidemic, and uh, we're, we're very proud of uh, New Hampshire Senator Maggie Hassan for, for being a co-sponsor of this legislation 
um, and to, to watch this legislation pass through our, our houses of government um, with bipartisan support. Well, do you think if enacted and signed, do, do any federal funds go with the the act? Oh yeah, we yes, we'll make sure that there's uh, there's implementation mechanisms in place so that this uh, this legislation will enjoy robust, you know, it will afford. I think states will have access to funding um, through this legislation, uh, and and Sandy Hook Promise will be ready to help build and train and implement um, uh, suicide prevention uh, trainings across the country. I wanted to also ask you before we go. To what extent do you think the pandemic, kids being um, restricted by the lockdowns and such, add to suicidal ideation, as you put it? Yeah, well, uh, you know, the unfortunate reality of that, Roger, is that we we have seen um, very consistent data uh, from various uh, research vehicles, also just from the reporting from our crisis center, uh, from firsthand reports from students, um, that that the pandemic has uh, has really exacerbated all of the um, stressors and triggers and anxieties that uh, you know students are already uh, grappling with, and the quarantine situation um, ha- has has uh, been a, a, a major uh, stressor for for students, some of whom are not in their safest place when they are home because of domestic violence issues. So, so there's a there's a there's a wide range of of symptoms that we're seeing uh, as a result of of the of the pandemic. Uh, students have been um, engaging in their social lives mostly online uh, while in quarantine. Uh, so, so that bring, brings with it um, additional anxiety. And now, as students become um, you know re re matriculated into their face to face social situations in schools as they as they re enter their schools. Um, they're experiencing a whole host of additional anxieties. Um, so we are we are uh, we've just released uh, some PSAs around around that, um, trying to bring awareness to that, so that parents and caring adults in the lives of these students will be aware that they are dealing with uh, unprecedented levels of anxiety that may be on the inside, um, but that there will be subtle warning signs exhibited on the outside, and we're hoping that parents will take the extra time to identify and, and recognize those signs and and just be a little a little more connected with their students and be ready to get them help if necessary um, as, as we are watching this unfold uh, we're very concerned for our youth and uh, we want we want all folks to be aware that they need our help now than more than ever that's mark barden sandyhookpromise.org in depth and h of the New Hampshire Center for Public Interest Journalism, welcomes support from grants, corporations, businesses, and individuals. I'm Roger Wood.